homie's already a rookie. Plus, he's given 10%. Plus, agent and taxes in this economy? How do you say freight train in Italian? No idea. Treno della felicità. There you Something go. Like that, yeah. yes. that sounds way cooler than freight train. I know, that's Probably. way cooler. I love it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Let's now bring in Steve Cleveland to offer some perspective on what's happened with coaches this week, not to mention he's the guy that brought Juddy to BYU in the first place. Cleve, how you doing, man? Good, guys. Good to talk. Good to talk. Long time no uh, talk. So let's talk about Jeff Judkins, obviously retiring yesterday. We thought that maybe this would happen after this season or in the next couple of years, but when it happens, it's still shocking. It's like, oh, my gosh, uh, Juddy's reign of awesomeness is over with BYU. Tell us about the origins of getting Juddy to BYU. You know, it's kind of a unique situation because uh, I, I knew Juddy a little bit, but it kind of all started with a phone call that I received from him uh, one evening, kind of late in the evening, and it was, uh, I think it was early 2000. He was at Utah, and, and uh, maybe 99, actually, I think about it. But anyway, he was at Utah, and he called me, and he said, hey, coach, I'm not, I know we don't know each other that well, but I said, uh, kind of, I love what you guys are doing. And uh, he said, I, I, I need, it's just time for me to leave Utah. And it was shocked me because they had, you know, we had been climbing that mountain and competing against them, but recruiting against them. And it was a difficult time to come in for uh, rebuilding a program when uh, Utah was so powerful and well-coached and Juddy and that whole staff was outstanding. So it kind of caught me off guard. We, that initiated a few conversations and over a period of several weeks and a, and a couple of months, uh, you know, we, we, what I told him, I said, I'll do everything I can to try to give you an opportunity here. But I, I said, I don't have any, you know, full-time coaching positions. And uh, I worked with the administration and we ended up actually creating a position that was a consulting position, not just for the men, but for the men and women. So he had exposure to both programs and uh, it began a great relationship. And uh, Jody and I have been good friends for a long time. And I am so happy for what he's done. I figured sooner than later that he was going to retire. Uh, just making that commute back and forth from Salt Lake uh, every day I had to get old. But uh, he did special things. He's a great man. I, I'll tell you, he helped me. Uh, I, I got another perspective. And I think with coaches, you're, you're always looking for opportunities to learn. And, and we had played Utah enough to know what they were doing. But it was the little things, the preparation for games, the attention to detail, some of those things that I'll always really remember about Jetty and, and in terms of helping me personally in, in that setting. And then we just became good friends and uh, I've been pulling for him for a long time and really happy and excited about an amazing career and uh, all the good he's done. He just, he's a, he's a good person. And I, I love the fact that he had a culture of really connecting with his players. And they, I know just from things I've read, they love him and, uh, I've always felt that was an important thing in the programs we had. So we had that in common right from the get-go. You gave him some good advice uh, after he got here uh, because he'd never coached women's basketball. And there was an opening that developed. And uh, tell us about the conversion of Juddy from the men's game to giving the women's game a try. And then, of course, he stuck with it and has been head coach for 21 years. 
you know, it, it was interesting. He, one of the most candid things that he asked me as we sat down one day and he said, if I take this women's job, do you think that uh, I have an opportunity to get back in and coach with the men? And I said, Jody, I can't tell you that for sure. But if I know you and what you're going to be about, you're going to commit and be all in. And I said, to be honest with you, this may not be what you want to hear, but I said, I don't think you're going to transition back to the men. I think you've had that experience as an assistant coach at Utah and here at BYU with us. You've done great things. I said, you got, you got to commit. you got to be all in. You can't be thinking that, hey, down the road in two or three or four months or years that I, I can jump back into the men's game. And I think he listened to that counsel, and I think that he, uh, he was all in from that point in time. I just I didn't want to try to <clears throat> keep his hopes up that he would be a men's coach, whether it was at BYU or wherever, when I knew that if he were really to put his whole heart into this thing, he could have an amazing career with the women, and he has. And uh, I'm not sure if that's what he wanted to hear, but uh, he, he followed my advice, and I just said, you need to go for that, Juddy. That, that, this is a great opportunity. You can have a great influence. And, uh, and he did, and congrats to him and all of the staff members. And he's had some amazing players there. They've been unbelievable, and they had the greatest regular season in program history last year. 456 wins, 10 NCAA tournaments, two Sweet 16s. I mean, not bad for a Ute, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You know what? It, it, it doesn't surprise me because he, you know, first of all, he was a, a great high school player. He was a great college player. He played in the league. Uh, he had so many influences in his life and good coaches that helped him. And, and I, I think that his time in Utah, well, you know, I, I don't think it was always perfect for him in Utah, but I, you know, some of the things he learned there helped me. And uh, he, he, he was mentored by a lot of people in this process. And I think that the, the most important thing about Juddy is his ability to communicate and, uh, motivate young people to play at a level that maybe even they didn't feel they could play at. And, and certainly you can't have success unless you can recruit. And, hey, he was, re- you know, when we got to BYU in 1997, you, you know the circumstances, and it, it was really difficult to go into homes and, and to, to recruit against him and that program, and they were a Final Four team. <laughs> but uh, we eventually figured it out. And by the time we figured it out, Juddie was still in Utah, but coming in, uh, you know, I always told him, I said, this is the most difficult thing I've ever had to do is to go into a community, into a state where uh, it was so difficult to recruit early on. But we got a couple key people and it worked out. And, and certainly Juddie was involved in our program for about 18 months. And uh, he made great contributions in terms of X's and O's and, and also obviously in recruiting. Visiting with the great Steve Cleveland this morning here on this uh, Friday. Coach, how hard is it for a coach to come to the conclusion that his or her coaching days are over and it's time to be done? It's difficult. (laughs) I can tell you that right now. Uh, Just from personal experience. And I can remember even my my journey uh, as a high school coach for 12 years and not sure what my next step was. And uh, I just felt, you know, and I, 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 so I pursued a junior college job and was very fortunate to get it. And the, the, the experience of going to BYU was amazing. And Fresno State was much more difficult because of a lot of the sanctions and things that happened that were, were made it more challenging. But I, I can just remember at that time, 
just talking to my wife and thinking about it and praying about it. But I just knew in my gut that it was time. And, and, and that was hard. And I, I, you walk away. The thing you walk away from and the most important thing to me was just being in practice every day. I mean, the games were fun and all the energy and the preparation for them. But really where my heart was, and I know Juddy and most good, you know, most coaches that are in this business for a long time, it's about your relationships. And that's what Juddy was amazing with. And so, you know, when you're walking away from that every day and getting that interaction, there's a void in your life. You've got to fill it with other things. And uh, Juddy will do that, whether it's with his horses or other things that he does. But he'll he'll notice and feel a void uh, next year at this time when uh, the team is going to the NC2A tournament and things are happening and you kind of long for that that feeling. So it's not easy. You do miss it. But uh, you you just have a different perspective. And I I know that for me, and I'm sure for Juddy as well, when, when you do kind of step away from it, there is a void in your life little anecdote on uh, Valentine's Day. I went to practice uh, this year. He had brought roses for every one of his girls on the team, the women. And uh, he got really emotional uh, saying, yeah, I love you guys. You guys are uh, super light in my life. And so maybe he knew late in the season. Um, and, and he offered some perspective, you know, of kind of feeling that maybe this is it or maybe I have another year or two. But he knew that it was, it was getting near the end. Let's talk about, um, you know, th- what BYU should look for in this. We talked about it earlier in the show with Kristen as well. Obviously, Lee Kamard is a notable candidate currently on the staff. Dan Nielsen was on the staff. He was at, he's at UVU as the head coach down the road. Sort of a Mark Pope-like move, potentially. Maybe someone outside there. What should BYU look for in a replacement for its all-time winningest coach? Well, I, I, first and foremost is having connections and recruiting connections and having the ability. I, I think all, all of those people, I mean, no matter who they bring in, it's going to be somebody that has experience and that can coach. And, and, and you know, in Lee's situation, he's not been a head coach, but he's certainly been around the game for a long time. And, and other coaches who, you know, the coach at UVU, he's obviously has a program over there. But I, I think really important to this is recruiting to this institution. The one thing Juddie's done, he's made it really, really okay to come to BYU. I mean, they've had great success. So I don't think it's a big stretch. Hey, take a chance on us. That's, that's not the circumstance. you got a great program. But certainly recruiting is really important. And I have never coached women, but I've been married to my dear wife for a long time. I've got a daughter. And, and they're raising a daughter and raising a son are two very different things. And, and so, you know, relationships with players, having that culture and having that trust, you know, it, they're, the, the players in that program right now uh, are always going to, whoever comes in, are going to compare them to Jetty a little bit. And that, that's, that's a difficult thing to measure up to because he's had so much success there. And as you said, bring, whether it's bringing flowers or taking the time when somebody's really struggling and coming to your office and helping through whatever issues they have in their life, uh, you can't create that immediately as a new coach. And so you do the very best you can to establish relationships in a culture where there's trust and it's a player. The thing I love about Jetty's teams and, uh, and any, any coach that's had success is he's had player-led teams. He's had really good leadership in his program, and that makes all the difference in the world. <clears throat> and Jetty's empowered them. So those are character traits. If I'm sitting down in an interview and I'm going to be talking to a candidate, I'm, I want to know what they believe in and what they, you know, the things that are important to them. Uh, I think X's and O's and wins and losses, certainly experience, I think, plays a role. But I think more importantly is how are you going to connect with this team? And how are you going to continue at this level? 
and what's your recruiting plans? What are you going to do in terms of reaching out? I mean, they're going into the Big 12, too. <laughs> and uh, last I saw that both those the wins and women's programs are really difficult. It's got to get to another level. I think one of the things I was talking to a good friend the other day, whether it's women or men, is that the portal is a wonderful thing. And you can fix problems there. You can, you can fill in spots. But establishing and building a program long-term that's been done by Juddy in a very, very good way, you've got to continue that. You've got to build it and have a foundation. And, and whether it's local kids or kids from around the country, it doesn't matter. But you've you got to develop, have time to develop players. And I think sometimes as I watch the, 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 the scenery around college basketball, we've got a lot of one-and-dones. And it's, it's hard to really develop talent. I understand that you can really fix some immediate problems. But I think long-term for both those programs, they have to be into developing players, developing programs, because they can win. You know, the Big 12 is, is an ominous thing right now, but if you have 22- and 23-year-old for young men, you know, seniors and juniors, or you have women that have been in the program, that's how you make up for maybe not having the depth or having the talent level, but you have a core group of people that are together, understand the program, what's being done, so I think long-term, that's what I would be looking at if I was an AD or an assistant AD. How are you going to you know, establish this and getting to the next level? Because there is a significant jump in a year at, at both with the men and the women. Speaking of the men, let's say you're uh, back as the head coach and uh, you just lost Chris Burgess to the University of Utah. Who are you going to get to replace him as the men get ready for the Big 12? Well, I'm going to want someone that has some experience that's recruited, you know, around the country. Now, Mark, you know, the one thing about Mark is he possesses a lot of those character traits. But I think if, if I don't know what he's what Coach Pope is going to do with, is he going to bring a younger guy in and then bump everybody up? Because these are coaches he's been with for quite a while. Uh, but I but I definitely would want someone that uh, is recognizable, that has experience that can come in and have an immediate impact and that they can go into a home. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that they have to have been an NBA player or won a national championship, but I, I think it's important that you, you bring somebody in that can do all the things you expect them to do, but that that opening day, the, the when you hire someone, the recognition and knowing that, hey, here's somebody that's been there. They've been a great collegiate athlete. Maybe they've been professional. Maybe they've been involved in different programs. But I, I do think you need to have some experience here. I, I think just in preparing for the Big 12, and uh, I know some of the candidates, and I, I think many of them would be wonderful fits at BYU, but it is something for me that I would want to get somebody that can help me go recruit and be on the road. And I think Chris has been able to do that. I think that's one of the voids that you need to fill. That's really important immediately because I think they're going to have the opportunity for the, I'm just speaking about the men that I know a lot more about than maybe the women, though I did watch them play several games. But I think for the men is having something with a firm foundation you're building and growing and developing. And, yes, you'll use the portal for immediate needs. But I think long-term to compete in the Big 12, you, you, you've got you to develop your guys. And so I'd want a guy also that could help develop bigs or develop guards or be a part of the development part of building a foundation so you could compete in the, in, the big, in the Big 12. 
My pie in the sky hopes are that it's Rick Smiths or Dale Davis from the Pacers, <laughs> uh, former teammates. That ain't happening. We can't pay him enough, but uh, nor is there interest there probably. But no, we'll see who it is. Steve, we appreciate the time, man. Great perspective. Thank you, as always. Thanks, guys. Take few, care. Few people have the courage to take a job after Jerry Tarkanian and go in to clean that up. And he left BYU to do that at Fresno State. Right? And, uh, outstanding coach, better man. When, when BYU opened the season in 2010-11 against Fresno State at home, yeah. and it wasn't on TV, that was the beginning of the end for BYU, tired of not being able to use BYU TV. Right. Because we didn't even have that game on Standing TV. O for, for yeah. Steve back as Untelevised. Fresno. Untelevised. Untelevised. <laughs> I remember going, it's going to be nice to be uh, independent in the WCC next year. It's been good. Yeah. It has been good. Great interview. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's push it forward, shall we? BYU basketball will have one more go in the West Coast Conference. And yes, we've said it ad nauseum, final opportunity for BYU to try and finally win some type of West Coast Conference men's basketball championship, whether that be in the regular season or in the tournament. But I'm sure many of you are thinking, who cares? It's about the Big 12 now. It doesn't matter what happens with Gonzaga and St. Mary's and the WCC next year. But there are others that say, why not go out with a bang? Do something that you've never done before, make some history, and gain some momentum going into the Big 12. Jason, my question for you is, is next season for BYU basketball taking momentum now is it more about making the NCAA tournament in the final year of the WCC or just preparing for the Big 12 when the summer of 2023 rolls around? Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this because my initial reaction to this was, I mean, look, you know how I feel about going into the Big 12. I can't wait. It's all I think about. I love it. I just cannot wait for that moment when BYU Athletics is actually playing games in that conference. So immediately I'm like, just, just prepare yourself for the Big 12. But then I remind myself, uh, I have uh, spent a lot of time around coaches and players, and I know there is not one coach or player out there that is going to give themselves a year to just whatever happens, happens. There is no way in the world that BYU basketball, the coaching staff, the players, anybody involved are going to not take this upcoming season seriously. For them, this is the season that they are paying attention to. What happens in 2023, certainly you are preparing for things and making plans, but their focus is on winning basketball games in the upcoming season in the West Coast Conference. The cool thing is, if you can reach your goals in the WCC by winning games, that then is a a byproduct of that, is then preparing yourself for the Big 12. Now, I think something that goes works for both answers is getting players in. You're getting players in that are going to help you win right away, but it's also preparing this roster for the future. So I think it goes hand in hand, yeah. but, but you and I have been around coaches long enough that there is no way in the world you're going to ever get a coach specifically and a player that's going to say this, this upcoming season doesn't matter. Yeah, You'll no. never find it. These things are intertwined, and if you think about it, BYU basketball getting back to the NCAA tournament almost feels like a must, a necessary step to prepare for the Big 12 because it feels like every Big 12 team is in the conversation legitimately to make the NCAA tournament when a season begins. 
That's how loaded that conference is. Seven teams from the Big 12 got into the NCAA tournament this year, I believe. If not seven, it were six. But still, they've won two national championships, Baylor and Kansas in back-to-back years. Maybe it would have been three if you go back to 2020 and Baylor and Kansas were projected number one seeds. Regardless, I feel like BYU has to get back to the NCAA tournament to feel good about the transition into the Big 12. And as much as winning a West Coast Conference title would be fantastic and finally getting that monkey off the back and specifically winning a WCC tournament championship and breaking that dubious streak of 21 years without winning a conference postseason tournament, those things would be great. I don't care as long as BYU makes the NCAA tournament. I feel like that is the needed momentum step for BYU to move and feel good about going into the Big 12. Think about that. If BYU doesn't make the NCAA tournament for a second consecutive year under Mark Pope and this staff, then how much more does the concern grow going into a now tougher league? Do you feel better about it? Oh, well, BYU is going to get the respect because they'll be in a Power 5 conference and you know it's not going to be as hard to get into the tournament as an at-large when you're a Power 5 team. There may be some truth to that, but if you have not made the tournament in back-to-back years... Why are you feeling like, yeah, we're going to move into a harder conference and our chances are going to get better to make the tournament? That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, doesn't compute for me. So you got to get to the tournament to have that springboard into the Big 12. Well, look, we as BYU fans, we as BYU media, have the luxury of being able to sort of move forward, push ahead, and start paying attention to the Big 12, you know, and, and start to start to put the WCC somewhat in the rearview mirror because you can kind of see the end in sight. Players and coaches don't have that ability. They have a task at hand, and their job is to win, and that is their goal. They're going into this season to win, and their goal is to get to the NCAA tournament and then see what happens. So while, while we have the luxury of being able to look ahead and talk about all these fun things, and certainly they're, they're excited about the opportunity, they still have a year in the WCC and a year of things to do before that's even a reality. They are not overlooking the importance of this last season in the West Coast Conference because if you play well in your non-conference and you play well in your, in your conference play, then you have set yourself up to go into the NCAA tournament and you are progressing the program heading into this new challenge. Yeah, if we're answering the question straight up, at least for me, Next season is about making the NCAA tournament. But again, I view that as the proper springboard, not just like a timetable thing and a chronological thing and a one game at a time, one season at a time, one tournament. It's not about that. It's just about getting BYU back to a better place mentally as a team and reestablishing the best locker room in America and creating that excitement and buzz going to the Big 12. If BYU does not make the tournament next season, then it's just not as exciting. It's like, ah, it becomes more like ah, trepidatious, like, oh, look, man, look. like they did, it's two years in a row they haven't made the tournament, and now they're going to the Big 12. Like, it, it just starts to kind of compound that, that the nerves and the stress. Make the tournament. It's about making the tournament so that you can feel better about eventually making the transition. Yeah, you and I both agree. The preparation for the Big 12 starts by having a great year this year and going to the NCAA yes, tournament. Yes, it's, yes, it yes. is somewhat one and the same, but – it starts with winning games this upcoming season. And that's what this coaching staff and these players, that's their number one goal. The best of BYU Sports Station will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
Connect. Our first guest of the day is one of the premier writers for The Athletic, specifically focusing on college basketball. And our purpose here today is to figure out where BYU basketball fits into the Big 12 once they get there in July of 2023. His name is C.J. Moore on BYUSN making his debut here. C.J., how are you? Doing well. How are you guys? Fantastic. How has it been to cover back-to-back national championships with Baylor and Kansas in the Big 12? It's been really cool. You know, I I think that um, it's obviously the league that I cover more than any other. And uh, I grew up on Big 8 basketball. So I I think the league went a long while where – uh, tournament success. It would, it would do really well in the regular season, be, you know, statistically by the metrics, one of the best leagues in college basketball and, and didn't always have the March success. So to, to see that come through is, has been neat. What do you think the chances are? You're talking about uh, three in a row from the big 12. <laughs> the odds are probably against them, right? Like I don't think uh, I, I, I doubt that's going to happen, but Kansas Baylor, Texas tech, uh, maybe Texas, what they get, even TCU. I mean, I think all those teams will, will be in the national mix next year. And um, so m- maybe we'll, we'll see, but uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't bet on it. CJ Moore of The Athletic is on BYU Sports Nation. We're focusing on Big 12 basketball and now how BYU will integrate into that powerhouse conference. What do you expect from BYU and the three other teams in Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston Uh, What do you expect from them once they get into the Big 12 and Texas and Oklahoma eventually leave? Will the conference be just as strong? What's your opinion on that? You know, I think it might be. You you look at, let's just take Texas and Houston. Houston's ahead of Texas right now as far as year year to year, like the last five years um, with Calvin Sampson. Houston's in a terrific spot. Um, So even if that's a wash, And then you take Oklahoma and compare that to me, you compare Oklahoma to BYU and Cincinnati, those two teams together. I think one of them will probably at least be on Oklahoma's level year to year. Um, So really you're getting a, probably a bottom feeder in central Florida. Uh, If if you, if I had my choice, I probably would have taken Memphis as that last team, just because all I care about is basketball. I could give a, crap about football (laughs) so um i i I think but i think the league's still going to be one of the top in college basketball and i i I think the as far as basketball is concerned the league did pretty well in in adding what it added and and to me basketball schools some schools are invested in basketball or not but a lot of times how good a basketball school is 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 what's their who's their coach and i think mark pope terrific coach Calvin Sampson, terrific coach. And I think Wes Miller is a really up-and-coming, really good coach. So you're adding at least three really good coaches to the league there. CJ, let's stay along those same lines. And this is a question we actually ask quite a bit in terms of college football. But on the college basketball side, how do you view BYU basketball from a national perspective? I, I, You know, every couple of years or so, I think it's it's a team that that can – potentially make the second weekend of the tournament. Maybe the success hasn't always been there, but I think has had teams good enough to do that. Um, I think they'll come in probably about in the pecking order, probably about middle of the pack. Um, you know, some, some schools that have had some recent success in the big 12, Kansas state, West Virginia have kind of fallen off recently. Um, I think BYU's on an upward trajectory. Um, 
So I'd say about middle of the pack. I mean, it's, it's tough with, uh, with Kansas, Baylor, Texas tech, um, you know, those three programs in particular are, are, are very, very healthy right now. And then Houston obviously coming in as well. Certainly loaded, loaded conference. So where does BYU from a personnel standpoint need to improve the most to compete with those middle to upper tier big 12 teams? Well, I think it will differentiate itself in, in how it plays offensively. And um, I think it'll be able to hang. Like I, I, I think that it'll help recruiting to be able to play in that league. Um, you know, really, I think the, the biggest shock to the system for BYU once it gets in the league is the level of defense that's played in this league and the scouting um, is, is so, so good. So that'll be a, an adjustment. Um, and you, you probably, you know, maybe have to find a couple more athletes or, um, you know, the physicality is something that that's, that's going to be a lot different than, than what you're seeing in the WCC. But I, I think, like I said, I think Mark Pope's a really good coach. I think they're going to be able to figure it out. You know, this is an interesting question and it probably changes depending on the school that uh, is answering the question. Kansas probably being, uh, the biggest example of that, but, when you look at the Big 12, is it considered a football conference or a basketball conference? Well, uh, you're, you're asking someone who's a little biased because <laughs> <laughs> all I care is about ba- is basketball and, and, and my college football knowledge is, is, is minimal. But um, I think right now the way the you know, recent success trends – pointing towards the basketball conference. Like that's where it's had its most success. Now I think it's still a really, really good football conference and um, you know, but you, they're, they're losing some big boys, some big brands in, in Texas and Oklahoma there. So um, to, to me, it's a basketball conference. Well, you've got a strong case in the fact that the big 12 has won back-to-back national championships <laughs> yeah. in basketball and the conference and won three. Yes. If, if Kansas and Baylor are allowed to play in the 20, if there's a 2020 turn, Kansas and Baylor were two of the three best teams in college. basketball. Exactly. Year, so yeah. So why not tack three. on one more and make it three in a yeah. row? And you look at the football side sure. and the last big 12 champion in football was 2005 in Texas when, when Vince Young was playing quarterback. So, I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. a real case there, but perhaps that's a conversation for another day. Uh, back to BYU and getting into the big 12, I just want to rewind to the moment you found out that the Cougars were bringing their basketball team to the conference. What was your reaction to BYU specifically being handed one of those invitations into the big 12? I liked it a lot. I mean, plays a fun style. Um, I watch a lot of defense in the, in the big 12, right? It'd be nice to get a little uh, offensive juice in there. I, I think it was a, a good addition. I think that, um, you know, getting that mountain time zone area, maybe adding like the lost Colorado years ago. I'm, like I said, I'm an old big eight guy. So I, I like sp- spreading it out to, to that area, area of the country a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was an all around good, good addition. I, I like the Cincinnati. I like the Houston. I like the uh, BYU additions being a basketball bias guy again, central Florida, eh. but um, I, I think it's going to be a good basketball conference going forward. CJ, we talk a lot about the transfer portal and, you know, obviously it affects more than just football and basketball, but those are the ones that we focus on the most. Uh, How Mm -hmm. has that changed college basketball? And do you see any chance that it slows down or is it only ramping up? It'll slow down because these, you know, the 
the one-time deal made it. So there were so many that came in last year and then the COVID rule as well, giving you guys a year, extra year of eligibility. That's obviously going to be phased out here in a few years. Um, so I think it'll slow down some, I still think it's going to become, they're still going to be a big part of, of what these schools do. You look in the big 12, a school that's traditionally had pretty good freshmen, right? Last year in the big 12, Iowa state's point guard and Baylor's two freshman wings were the only freshmen that were real impact players in the league. Wow. Three players in the whole league. And it's because schools like Texas tech, um, Texas are going out and getting guys that can play right away. So if you're going to be recruiting a freshman these days, like he better be bought in on development or a guy that, you know, can play right away. If, if you've got a guy that's, that's on the fence, like of, of whether he can play right away and he's not built into or bought into this long-term plan, then he's probably going to leave after a year. So, so that's, that's the challenge these schools have right now is trying to figure that out. I do think freshmen and recruiting freshmen and, and building through it through your program will still be a big part of, of what a lot of teams do. But you know, these, these teams like high major teams, they're going to be living in that portal every year. No, certainly. C.J. Moore of The Athletic is on BYU Sports Nation, college basketball insider. You've covered games in all of these Big 12 venues, C.J. BYU fans are going to be very excited about making some road trips and seeing some of these Mm -hmm. basketball venues. So if you had to pick, let's say, two, what two road trips for basketball specifically would you tell BYU fans to make? Allen Fieldhouse is is obviously at the top. I don't think there's a better place to watch a college basketball game anywhere. Um, and then the other one is, uh, is probably Texas tech. Uh, that building is charged. Um, they have the, the, them and outfit house have the best environment in, in college basketball in, in the big 12 right now. Um, and, and Texas tech, they're up there in college basketball. Um, some other fun, like Ames and Hilton, is, is always in a, you know, a great atmosphere. Um, Baylor's about to get a new building. I'm sure that'll be cool. Uh, But yeah, I think Texas tech and and Kansas are are the, are the clear two right there. Maybe, you know, Lubbock might not be the most exciting place to go (laughs) otherwise, but uh, man, they've got a nice, a nice arena and uh, they fill it up. Just out of curiosity, have you ever been to the Marriott center in Provo, Utah? I've not. We got to get you. Have you ever been to Utah? I've never been to the state, so I'm excited. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to get your opinion once you cover a basketball game in Pro Bowl about where the Marriott Center stacks up against some of these Big 12 venues because I think that's where BYU fans are kind of hoping that they can compete immediately with the Big 12 is just <laughs> the environment, the atmosphere in Pro Bowl. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, BYU fans obviously going to be interested in hearing more uh, of your work or reading more of your work specifically. So where can they find that? At The Athletic. And uh, my Twitter handle is CJ Moore Hoops. All right. Simple enough. CJ, thanks for hanging out with us, giving us some insider's perspective uh, into the Big 12. And we'll make our road travel plans right now. Sounds good. All right. CJ Moore of The Athletic, college basketball insider. He's got a good point. Maybe it should be three, probably three straight national championships. If 
2020's tournament is allowed to happen. Although BYU may have had a say in uh, <laughs> in what happened in 2020 or so, the Blue Goggle fans would yeah. say, well, right? Look, well, look, whether whether you're just going with the, the two actual back-to-back national champions you want to throw in 2020, who knows what's going to happen this upcoming season. It doesn't change the fact that the league BYU is going into is so good yeah. and it is so exciting in terms of the brand of basketball night in and night out. There is not a night off the entire conference season because the league is that good top to bottom. It's so much fun. Now, what's interesting is to think about the league once Texas and Oklahoma leave in 2025, then bringing back up that conversation of, OK, truly, is the Big 12 a basketball conference? Or a football conference. We know football is king nationally. Yes. And I I think that's where I lean because overall, college football is bigger than college basketball as a whole. Now, but I said, and I even phrased the question that way. You can't tell me that a a program like Kansas doesn't consider itself a basketball school versus a football school. But there's going to be others that certainly have equal basketball versus football, but I think most programs would consider themselves football programs in the Big 12. I'm fascinated by this. Just where is the most popularity in the Big 12 once Texas and Oklahoma leave? Okay, so here's the thing. We're taking Lawrence, Kansas off the table because I think that's the number one for everybody. Sure, But that's the one you want to go. I knew that's where he was going to go. Sure, Allen Fieldhouse. Yes, Allen Fieldhouse. That's, That's the one. That's the mecca of the conference. Okay, what's the next one for you that you want to go see? That I want to visit? Yes, oh, in man. the conference. Are we talking Texas and Oklahoma still included, or are we taking no, them I'm out of the conference? No, I'm going to take them out. So I'm talking for the long term. That's the one. Oh, man. I, he's got a point with, with Lubbock. I mean, that there's not much to do in Lubbock, and they have been so good at basketball. Yes. And he used the word charge, and yes. I think that is a fantastic word to describe that basketball environment right now. So I – I'm I'm hard pressed to not want to pick Lubbock as my number two. Now, if we're talking vacations in January and February, <laughs> send me to Orlando all right, day yeah. every day to get me out of uh, snowy, cold Provo, Utah. I think the one I'm looking forward to is Baylor. Okay. I'm I'm really excited for what BYU and Baylor can be on all levels. I think that can be a really fun sure. back and forth series in all sports. It, when West Virginia is good too, yeah, they're another school like. Texas Tech. Yeah, no, agree. In, in Morgantown, where it just it's just wild. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Just again, the fact that we're talking about this makes me happy. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> happening. It's happening. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. ESPN draft analyst Jordan Reed, not related to Andy Reed, by the way, has Tyler Algier going in the fourth round, which I like, to the Broncos, which I do not like, uh, and James Impey going to the Dolphins in the seventh round. So what's your choice? Or excuse me, what's the chance that BYU has multiple draft picks? Multiple? Multiple. Oh, man. We know they're getting the one with Tyler. What about multiple? Well, as much as I love this draft projection by Jordan Reed, honestly, I feel like it's like 10%. I feel like it's Tyler Algier, and then hang on and see James 
I don't think Samson Nakua did enough, even though he was awesome in this pro day. 10% chance BYU has multiple draft picks. Yeah, I, I was going to say 10, so to be a little different and to be the more positive of the two. You go 11? I'll go 15. Oh, 15%. That's you're going to go 11%. No, not like 10.1. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. ESPN's Bill Connolly ranks college football's 100 best running backs over the past 60 years. Okay. No BYU running back is listed. I can't help but think about Luke Staley. Yeah. Jason, is this an oversight? <sighs> the guy won the Doak Walker. So for one of those seasons, he was deemed the best running back in college football. So, yeah, I'm a bit surprised that a guy that season that was said, you're the best at this position in the last 60 years was not on a list of the best running backs yeah. in the last 60 years. Was 2001 and that entire college football season deemed by Bill Connolly as just like a way underperforming year? I, I, I don't know. That one surprised me. In Luke Staley's the one you're talking about. I am surprised. I do believe that's an oversight. He averaged 8.1 yards per carry. <laughs> 8.1. Yeah, with him, I feel like there's a little bit of an oversight. All right, we uh, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. The Stranger Things 4 trailer was released earlier today. It was amazing. However, the last one featured several uh, BYU references, including a BYU pennant in the background. Uh, spoiler alert. There is none in this trailer. So are you disappointed that there weren't any further BYU references? No, I'm not. It's okay. There have been enough to fill my quota, Jason, <gasps> so I am not disappointed. It's okay. Uh, I'm always disappointed when there's no BYU reference in things. <laughs> Why not? And especially because we've seen it with BYU references. Well, the timing is great because BYU won the 84 National Championship and Season 4 is set in 1985. By the way, the pennant they have in that, I have that pennant in our office. It is on the wall right Fantastic. now. Fantastic. That's what my son got for me uh, for Christmas a couple years ago. I believe you can get that pennant right now at the BYU store. I'm not even joking. There you go. They just released a bunch. By the way, the BYU store, official outfitter, BYU fans <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> a new online game called Fredettle. This is not a joke. Where you try and guess a current NCAA basketball player in eight guesses or fewer based on position, conference, team, stats, and hints. Jason, for Dettel, <laughs> the new game, will you be playing it and sharing your results via all of your social media accounts because everybody wants to know what you've done in Fredettel? Uh No to all of the above. Look, the only reason that it even gets my attention is because it has Jimmer's name in it. We have no idea if it's even associated has, with Jim. It has at to all. be associated with Jim. It, it has to be, right? but no, has to be. I don't. I don't. I know Wordle is a game. I don't know anything about it. I don't play it. Don't plan to play it. Just try it one time. Nah, one time. Here's Jason. what I will not be doing: is putting out my results on Facebook, <laughs> like so many in my family did. I don't even have a Facebook account anymore. Good grief. <laughs> I would not do that to people within my Facebook circle on Meta. Yeah, whatever. Meta. Whatever they're changing in Meta. by Meta. Yeah, I, don't uh, I will play Fredetto. Okay. And it has to do with Jimmy. we got to find out. Who, how could it not be? The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. Let's push it forward, shall we? BYU basketball will have one more go in the West Coast Conference. And yes, we've said it ad nauseum. Final opportunity for BYU to try and finally win some type of West Coast Conference men's basketball championship. Whether that be in the regular season or in the tournament. 
But I'm sure many of you are thinking, who cares? It's about the Big 12 now. doesn't matter what happens with Gonzaga and St. Mary's and the WCC next year. But there are others that say, why not go out with a bang? Do something that you've never done before, make some history, and gain some momentum going into the Big 12. Jason, my question for you is, is next season for BYU basketball taking momentum now? Is it more about making the NCAA tournament in the final year of the WCC or just preparing for the Big 12 when the summer of 2023 rolls around. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this because my initial reaction to this was, I mean, look, you know how I feel about going into the Big 12. I can't wait. It's all I think about. I love it. I just cannot wait for that moment when BYU Athletics is actually playing games in that conference. So immediately I'm like, just, just prepare yourself for the Big 12. But then I remind myself, uh, I have uh, spent a lot of time around coaches and players, and I know there is not one coach or player out there that is going to give themselves a year to just whatever happens, happens. There is no way in the world that BYU basketball, the coaching staff, the players, anybody involved are going to not take this upcoming season seriously. For them, this is the season that they are paying attention to. What happens in 2023, certainly you are preparing for things and making plans, but their focus is on winning basketball games in the upcoming season in the West Coast Conference. The cool thing is, if you can reach your goals in the WCC by winning games, that then is a a byproduct of that, is then preparing yourself for the Big 12. Now, I think something that goes works for both answers is getting players in. You're getting players in that are going to help you win right away, but it's also preparing this roster for the future. So I think it goes hand in hand, yeah. but, but you and I have been around coaches long enough that there is no way in the world you're going to ever get a coach specifically and a player that's going to say this, this upcoming season doesn't matter. Yeah, You'll no. never find it. These things are intertwined, and if you think about it, BYU basketball getting back to the NCAA tournament almost feels like a must, a necessary step to prepare for the Big 12 because it feels like every Big 12 team is in the conversation legitimately to make the NCAA tournament when a season begins. That's how loaded that conference is. Seven teams from the Big 12 got into the NCAA tournament this year, I believe. If not seven, it was six. But still, they've won two national championships Baylor and Kansas in back-to-back years, maybe it would have been three if you go back to 2020 and Baylor and Kansas were projected number one seeds. Regardless, I feel like BYU has to get back to the NCAA tournament to feel good about the transition into the Big 12. And as much as winning a West Coast Conference title would be fantastic and finally getting that monkey off the back and specifically winning a WCC tournament championship and breaking that dubious streak of 21 years without winning a conference postseason tournament, those things would be great. I don't care as long as BYU makes the NCAA tournament. I feel like that is the needed momentum step for BYU to move and feel good about going into the Big 12. Think about that. If BYU doesn't make the NCAA tournament for a second consecutive year under Mark Pope and this staff, then how much more does the concern grow going into a now tougher league? Do you feel better about it? Oh, well, BYU is going to get the respect because they'll be in a Power 5 conference and you know it's not going to be as hard to get into the tournament as an at-large when you're a Power 5 team. There may be some truth to that, but if you have not made the tournament in back-to-back years, why are you feeling like, 
yeah, we're going to move into a harder conference and our chances are going to get better to make the tournament. That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't compute for me. So you got to get to the tournament to have that springboard into the Big 12. Well, look, we as BYU fans, we as BYU media have the luxury of being able to sort of move forward, push ahead and start paying attention to the Big 12, you know, and, and start to start to put the WCC somewhat in the rearview mirror because you can kind of see the end in sight. Players and coaches don't have that ability. They have a task at hand. Their job is to win, and that is their goal. They're going into this season to win, and their goal is to get to the NCAA tournament and then see what happens. So while, while we have the luxury of being able to look ahead and talk about all these fun things, and certainly they're, they're excited about the opportunity, they still have a year in the WCC and a year of things to do before that's even a reality. They are not overlooking the importance of this last season in the West Coast Conference. Because if you play well in your non-conference and you play well in your, in your conference play, then you have set yourself up to go into the NCAA tournament, and you are progressing the program heading into this new challenge. Yeah, if we're answering the question straight up, at least for me, next season is about making the NCAA tournament. But again, I view that as the proper springboard, not just like a timetable thing and a chronological thing and a one game at a time, one season at a time, one tournament. It's not about that. It's just about getting BYU back to a better place mentally as a team and reestablishing the best locker room in America and creating that excitement and buzz going to the Big 12. If BYU does not make the tournament next season, then it's just not as exciting. It's like, ah, it becomes more like uh, trepidatious, like, oh, look, man, look. like they did, it's two years in a row they haven't made the tournament and now they're going to the Big 12. Like, it, it just starts to kind of compound that, that the nerves and the stress. Make the tournament. It's about making the tournament so that you can feel better about eventually making the transition. Yeah, you and I both agree. The preparation for the Big 12 starts by having a great year this year and going to the NCAA yes, tournament. Yes, it's, yes, it yes. is somewhat one and the same, but it starts with winning games this upcoming season. And that's what this coaching staff and these players, that's their number one goal. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We have brand new, fresh off the press, because that's still a thing, right? Fresh off the press, fresh off the interwebs, football power index numbers for BYU and all 130 Division I college football teams. BYU currently ranks 46th, Jerem, in that list of all Division One football teams, according to the Football Power Index, forty sixth. Hmm. What do you think about a number forty six ranking coming off another top twenty five season and a second ten win season in as many years? Well, this isn't uh, you know where should BYU be in a poll. This is this is what their FPI is based on how we think they're going to do against these other teams and how we think those teams are going to do. So um, it's a seven and five record projection. Yes. As uh, you pointed out this morning, last year uh, they projected 7 and 5. 7.3 well. wins, 4.7 losses yep. a year ago. Yep. So BYU was three games better, which is pretty crazy. Do we feel like BYU has the chance to be three games better? We do. Yep. We're feeling confident about this BYU team, which is exciting. Obviously, coming off two 10 plus win seasons, 
and returning the quarterback and maintaining a large amount of the coaching staff and keeping that O-line and skill position players, uh, why wouldn't we, right? Why wouldn't we? So, yeah, um, 85% chance to win six games. Yes, this team is going to a bowl game. That's not going to be an issue. It's not hard to make a bowl game. All you have to do is win half. Uh, You can suck and still make a bowl game. It's crazy. But when we look at some of the numbers among BYU's own schedule – uh, BYU at 46 is the fifth best team on its own schedule by FPI. Notre Dame at five. Wow. Yeah. Probably overrated. That's what Notre Dame does. 19th Baylor, 23rd Oregon, 29th Arkansas, and then BYU at 46, followed by Boise State right after. So the big four mm-hmm. is what we can call this, this group of uh, challengers on the schedule, right? Okay. Boise State and BYU at about the same level, feels like. That's probably a fair assessment. And then everyone else is probably below BYU, like winnable games. So to me, that cut line is like, can BYU um, in, those, in those other eight, so the big four and then the other eight. In the other eight, can BYU go seven and one? And in the, in the, in the big four, can BYU go two and two to get nine wins in the regular season? It's worth noting that while BYU is projected to win 7.3 games, I'm not sure about the decimal points, but again, they... When BYU wins .3 games, that's when the end comes. So a a year ago, projected to win just over seven games and lose essentially five. It's worth noting that BYU was favored in 10 of the 12 games on last year's schedule. Right. But it was like 52% chance to beat Utah, 53% chance to beat Arizona State, yeah. 60% chance to beat Washington State. So they weren't huge favorites, but right. they were favored. And that's exactly what BYU did, which is atypical, right? Like typically yeah. you drop one of those games where it's really close in the toss up games, and BYU goes, I don't know, eight and four or nine and three. But like BYU four and three. won all of those games. Like BYU played seven power fives and didn't just go over 500, went six and one. Like, that's not going to happen a ton in, in sure. BYU's future. Like, that was a massive anomaly. Yeah, the one game that BYU dropped that they were supposed to win, according to the FPI, was at home against Boise State. Right, and I'm okay with one of those. I also want you to make up one of those on the road. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we got a game we didn't think we'd get. BYU was only a 31% chance to win at USC to close out the season, but USC, well, they did not come together. They right. dealt with several injuries to their best receiver and quarterbacks, and Jackson Dart was all of a sudden starting as a freshman. Jackson Dart was good, though. Um, yeah, Drake London not playing in that game is probably the reason BYU, BYU wins reason that BYU wins. game, but the only game they dropped that they were supposed to win was Boise State. So it's, it's shaping up similar this year. BYU is projected to go 7-5 and five yeah. in 2022. We don't have the game-by-games on these, but I would guess that BYU is probably a dog by percentage, not by Vegas, in the, Notre big, Dame, four, in the big four. Baylor. And maybe at Boise State. Maybe at Boise State. They might be. Probably, are, I would say, Ar- right now, if we at saw home? that, Arkansas. Yeah. At home? I don't know, because BYU was favored to beat Arizona State and Utah last year at home while those teams were more than 20 spots higher oh, than BYU okay. in the FPI. Maybe BYU's favorite. Home yeah. field advantage, how does that factor in? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just going to say is probably favored to win nine games, and they're projected to win seven games. Those are two different things. Yes, yes. Two very different things because it's a fickle game. But why not BYU when, yeah. overachieve once again? I, I, we went through the whole schedule game at, by game at yesterday. At what point is it not overachieving? Like, if BYU does this again – now it's expected. Is it just and the normal. standard. Well, yes. what, what is expected right now? What is expected according to us, not ESPN FBI? Us, us 
eight and four minimum. Okay. Yeah. See, I expect L- nine like, wins. Like nine is what we're thinking could realistically happen yeah. based on what we've seen the I- last two years. Now, if it doesn't happen, if BYU doesn't win nine in the regular season or nine at all, let's say BYU finishes with eight wins, then Tyler Algier was way better than we thought. Because I, here's, my one, here's one of my fears going into this year, is that, oh my gosh, we saw the most amazing running back season, and we thought that we could like, keep doing that. The O-line's going to be good. But was Ty, like, the difference between Tyler Algier and Christopher Brooks, we hope, isn't this uh, Grand Canyon gap. But can that be made up by the emergence and Hopefully. coming forth of other players like Jaron Hall? Does he take another step forward? Hopefully. Does the wide receivers take a step forward collectively? Yes. Does the offensive yes line the as answer. a whole group take a step forward collectively? I just, I just think we need to be careful of going, hey, remember that time Tyler Algier ran for 1,700 yards? Yeah, yeah, we can do something like that again. That was spectacular. Like, you know, two, they weren't like, you know what Luke Staley's going to do again? Run for eight yards a carry. Like, that was a unique season. Um, can Jaron Hall be as efficient as he was? Can he be even better? Like, can Puka, will Puka Nakua be a thousand yard guy? I think so. As he catches the ball, well done, control room, timing that up. But, um, and, and it's against more high pro, like, there are a few games that are a little tougher than, than last year, not the volume, but a couple. So it, I'm so excited for this year. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I was this excited going into season based on who BYU is, based on what the schedule is. Obviously, the Big 12 looming the next season is very exciting as well. This is an awesome time for Cougar football. The rec- recruiting's going really well for the Cougs. Let's go, man. Like, can BYU, yeah, can BYU go 9-3 in the regular season or better? They went 10-2 and last year. Like, like, only Dave freaking McCann came up here and said, yeah, 10 wins is possible. And we're like, oh, I'm like, oh, put on the blue okay. goggle. So, th- again, this is also worth noting. When the rankings were released by ESPN's FBI last year, it was April 13th. So, one year yesterday. ago yesterday, yeah. they were number 63 in the Wolf. FBI. Coming, 63. Coming off of Zach Wilson and the 11-1. and one and Yeah. So, you lose the number two overall pick, five draft picks. Like, that's understandable. They, they fall to essentially the middle of the pack. And you're playing seven power fives. So, 46 and only five power fives, but some high level group of fives. I, I feel like 46 there's is pretty favorable. It's, it's pretty favorable, there. right? Like, I, don't, I, I would don't... like in the future for BYU, like, if BYU does it again, goes 10 wins again, that they should be in the top 30 in this going into the next year. Although, you probably lose Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, Blake Freeland, and so on and so forth. So maybe not. So maybe not. 46 in the FBI does not directly translate to an Associated Press media right. poll either. Right. Like, I would not be surprised to see BYU ranked in the preseason based on what they've done the last few years and everything they do bring back. So if BYU shows up as number 23 yeah. or number 25 in that first poll, don't be surprised. FPI is a very different metric than media voters on right. who they think the top 25 teams are to start the season. Right. So 46, to me, kind of, kind of feels like respect. I know some fans don't like it, but that's 17 you, spots higher than last year. They finished 40th, by the way, last year. In the FPI. In the FPI. There you go. Okay. There you go. 40 feels a ways down. Well, they've got, uh, let's see, how many days before they can really start to make this count? Hit it. Countdown to the Bulls. 142. 142 days away before BYU's trip back to Raymond James Stadium on their vengeance tour to uh, get one back against USF 
in the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. After and Tom Jer- Brady's back. Jaron Hall lost his initial start as a BYU quarterback. Yep. Yep. It'll be a little bit different version of Jaron Hall this time around. <laughs> <laughs> Well, after 21 years, Jeff Judkins is retiring as the women's basketball coach at BYU. As you mentioned, Dave, the winningest coach on either program, who's been to two Sweet 16s, 10 NCAA tournaments, a ton of amazing accomplishments for Jeff. We love him. He's been awesome. So let's discuss the legacy of Jeff Judkins. Well, he hasn't said much except for a statement. We know he's watching because he loves this show and he loves you guys. Uh, So let's talk about him and he can hear us talk about him and uh, we're not behind his back because he's probably just watching right at, <laughs> right at the TV. But here's a coach who, uh, who he won while being honest with his players and, and the media, extremely, extremely patient, fiercely competitive, always gracious in defeat. And is that not the ultimate legacy? He won, he won, he won, he won. And on those rare occasions that he lost, he, he, was, uh, he was gracious in defeat. What a great coach. Like, we, we loved having Jody because it's fun personality. We felt like he was, uh, you know, like our grandpa on campus that we could just hang out with. And, and he was always in a good mood, but fiercely competitive, like you talked about. Um, and he won championships, um, which is awesome. And that is, we all want to have a good time and have a good relationship. That is enhanced if you win. The point is to win. And if you don't, you're not around for long. And the fact that he has been around for a long time tells you that he wins. BYU would go down to Las Vegas, and we hoped that the men could always snap that streak. But what we really knew was that the women were going to compete for that championship and sometimes win it. And they have several times during his tenure. They've been to two Sweet 16s during Jeff's tenure. The men's basketball team's been to two Sweet 16s, period. Um, What he's done has been incredible. And to be able to recruit types of players that BYU's had has been awesome as well. They have this New Zealand pipeline going, which is super fun. Um, as like a rugby fan and just a fan of New Zealand, I'm like, yeah, more Kiwis. I love them. Uh, Shaylee Gonzalez is one of the best players in BYU history, and she's going to be here five years and break some records. She's been a dynamic player to watch. We saw the culmination of his career as well, by the way, in this last season. Unfortunately, it didn't pay off in the NCAA tournament, Mm -hmm. but it was almost encapsulated in a single game, Dave, and I know you were there with Blaine watching this one. The Gonzaga game where BYU wore the black jerseys, there's the highlights, played in front of a school record 6,000 fans. It was one of the greatest moments in program history, and it was really a celebration and a great moment for Juddy to cherish of that final home game and they, at the BYU. And the curtain drop and all the fanfare they finally the got always get. The same thing. They got yes. that treatment, yes. and uh, deservedly so. And you're right, it was, it was the biggest big-time moment, and then they went out and just pounded Gonzaga. Which was awesome, and that ended up being the best win of the year yeah. in, in that moment. So... Um, shout out to Jeff. And, and the, it plays into sort of this bigger idea of, and, and oh, by the way, I do want to mention, tremendous, uh, like he's a Utah basketball Hall of Fame status kind of guy. Right. Amazing player at Highland. Incredible player up at the U. And then he's on the Utah coaching staffs when they have Keith Van Horn and Andre Miller and Michael Doliak with Rick Majerus. Final four in 98, they go to the championship. He's an assistant coach on those teams. And then uh, we'll talk to Steve Cleveland coming up about kind of the story of getting him to BYU. But he comes to BYU, and he's involved with both the men and women, and then he takes the women's job. This wasn't sort of a a common thing or maybe the first thought he had, but this ends up being an incredible legacy that he has on a path that he didn't anticipate, which I think is a good life lesson. You kind of think you've got, this is what I'm doing. Right. But life takes you this way, and you can still have an amazing experience, and that's what Jeff did here. And 21 years. 
as a head coach. Uh, and we, we were looking around campus. We're going, well, wait a second. Uh, how long has everyone else been around here? He was a journeyman of 21 years. Turns out he was like fourth on the list. I thought he was uh, higher. Take a look at this. We, Bruce Brockbanks, the king, 30 years. 30 uh, he years. doesn't have to answer phone calls if he doesn't want. He's been here for 30 years. <laughs> Jen Rockwood, That's 27. Ed Eyestone, 22. Gordon Eakin at, uh, in his 19th, 20th year uh, with softball. Uh, BYU has been fortunate to have coaches. You know, think about Lavelle and how long he was here. Coaches that have not only come here, they put up with a lot, and they've stuck through it. And the great players that come through all these programs, uh, including Jetties. Of note, and those were active coaches, Lavelle was here 29 years. Yeah. Bruce Brockbank's now been here longer than Lavelle was as the head coach. He's, That's pretty gnarly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. His so, team plays great. They're playing great this week. At the intercollegiate, took fifth place. Yeah, golf team's coming around. You interviewed Carson Lindell last week. Yeah, he was here, and, and then he was just they, they got things going. You know what soccer's got? They all have things going. Look at these coaches. Look what they're doing. It's fantastic. You have to win to stay here, um, and and obviously we're about to enter a, a new sort of era with this. So Jetty sort of puts a, a you know a stamp on. He was there in like what year two of the Mountain West. Yeah. And then he, he ends prior to the last year in the WCC. So he was basically that, that whole tenure of the Mountain West in WCC for BYU women's basketball. A couple of weeks ago, he said he was coming back. And then, uh, you know, maybe just something changed. And he just thought, this is good for me. I, I, he had a great season. And, and there's a loaded roster coming back for whoever the new coach is. So there's a winning. The winning is yes. going to continue no matter what because of Gonzalez and Gustin and, and that. Yes. Group. And I do want to mention notable names just uh, – you know, off the top of the head, Lee Kamard on the current coaching yeah. staff, perhaps Ray Stewart and Melanie Day as well. Uh, Dan Nielsen is an intriguing candidate down at U of Tau Valley. He was an assistant, sort of a Mark Pope-like move. Was on the staff, head coach at UVU. His staff's all BYU uh, people, by the way. Yeah. And uh, so he'll be a strong coaching candidate should he apply. So we'll see. We'll see who it is. With the announcement of the retirement of Jetty yesterday, BYU's seen three coaches leave this week. In fact, three in four days. Yeah. Is this natural attrition in the coaching realm, or do you think it's something different? Well, the Mike Little one, uh, Littlewood one is certainly not natural. That was midseason. That was abrupt. That was personal reasons. There's more to that story um, you know, that's, that's certainly not out, right? So that one, no. Chris Burgess is a natural attrition one. I want assistance to go elsewhere sometimes because that means they're desired. If everyone stays the whole time, I wonder how good that staff is, frankly. Well, look at Lavelle's coaching tree. Yes. Plucked off, OC, yes. Former players, former coaches. Yes, absolutely. Um, And and then uh, Jeff, of course, um, has been here a long time. At some point, he was going to retire. So I don't think there's, like, any kind of movement or mutiny. There's nothing like that. But certainly you have to wonder – you know, the role of sort of the Big 12 in this. and I don't think it played into these particular – I think they're all individual cases that just happen to stack up. Now, if like two more coaches suddenly leave today, maybe that conversation is different. But I, I think this is sort of um, individual cases. This is the season of the portal, and this is the season where coaches look around. We, we typically see movement in basketball after the Final Four when they've had their coaches' convention and made all these contacts and this and that and – and, uh, you know, Mark Pope's going to hire someone, so somebody's going to leave somebody's staff right. uh, somewhere else. And so this is that time of year moving. Baseball's different. I think this one's a, a little more devastating a year out from the Big 12, and, and I think that'll have lingering effects. Um, but, uh, but the other two, um, 
women's basketball's position to keep winning, thanks to Juddy and, and his current group. And then uh, yeah. uh, I think it's a great opportunity for Mark Pope to get some new blood into that group. And, uh, and uh, we'll ask Steve Cleveland who he thinks he should get. Uh, that's coming up. I'm surprised BYU was able to keep uh, Figure Robinson Burgess for three years, yeah. honestly. I think that's a pretty good stat. Because they've, they've been really good. You know, and, and, yeah. and their best year was the COVID year where they didn't get a finish. Uh, right. and, and maybe that's why they were able to hang on to some guys. Perhaps. Like, everything just stopped. Because the moment that, uh, you know, if and when Mark Pope, you know, goes to a Sweet 16, Mark's going to get offered a big-time job that could be the next gig. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. But that's the cost of being great. Like, when Austin Colley left after his junior year, I was like, dang it, Austin Colley. But we got the 08 season and 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. Like, I'm okay with guys going early and coaches bouncing. If you give us greatness, if not, then it's a little harder to swallow. Like, people had a harder time with Eric Meek and Elijah Bryant going early because they weren't drafted. Right. But they were very good. Um, but we didn't get, like, a, a season where it's like, yep, we went to Sweet 16. I'm cool if you live. Um, you know, if Jim Fredette was a junior – and National Player of the Year, and BYU went to the Sweet 16, we all would have been like, hey, we get it. Yeah. We get it. But we're sort of used to, uh, nope, give us four years or do something incredible. Otherwise, you can't leave. It's like, well, it's a different era. You know what we haven't seen a ton, Dave, is players leave from BYU to go somewhere else for right. a better opportunity. Matt Carlino was kind of the only one. Yeah, Francis um, Bernard. Francis Bernard That left. was a whole set of circumstances. Right, there was off-the-field issues there, but we, we th- haven't kind of seen that here. Sometimes we forget, too, that uh, kids come to college so they can get a job, and sometimes that job comes earlier than, than the diploma. Baylor Romney t- went pro with Adobe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and coaches come to BYU because they have a job, but we all want better jobs, and sometimes there's a better job. For Steve Cleveland going to Fresno State, was a better opportunity for him and his future. People go, that can't be possible. It was possible. Even though it didn't work out the way he wanted it at Fresno State, but he finishes 30 years in the California education system and a pension that's going to take him into the twilight. But there's all these things where... I didn't know that. That's awesome. Where we come here... That's why I left. When we come here... uh, we, we come here to get better, and sometimes it's to get a better job, and students come here to get a job, get educated, no matter what the department is. And, and sometimes, for Tyler Algier, let's hope that comes later this month. Amen. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches athletes and experts have to say here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation we now go to Las Vegas with Kristen Kozlowski she didn't have enough with the WCC tournament so she's gone back just to bang on the Orleans doors and see if they'll let her in Kristen how you doing good good to be with you guys of course back to Vegas again I feel like this is my second home here a lot for sure here this time I'm here with my son for a basketball tournament. So. Yeah, luckily luckily a different uh, setting, right? But still basketball. That's what takes us to Vegas uh, most of the time. Or in Dave's case, he can go for any reason. He lives Vegas is awesome. Years. Yeah, <laughs> Vegas is awesome. So Jeff Judkins news yesterday. Uh, he retires. Was this out of the blue for you or expected? I had had numerous conversations with him this season about the possibility, not necessarily this year, but coming soon. I think that it was in – the back of his mind that it needed to come sooner and rather than later, but uh, no indication that it was going to happen this year in every conversation when I talked to him. So when I heard the news, I think I knew it was coming. I just didn't think it would necessarily be this year. I thought maybe he would 
write it out until the big 12, maybe tell Shaylee was a senior and she graduated. Um, little bittersweet for me, for sure, to, to hear that because I'm happy for him. He goes out on top, one of the best coaches of all time, obviously at BYU, but at the same time, I mean, it's not going to be the same without Juddy on the bench over there. And I've had a great relationship as a player and then also broadcasting for him to be able to go talk to him. It was just easy for us to have that relationship continue. So you come to BYU and redshirt the year. They go to the Sweet 16, and that team was honored this past season. Uh, and you had a chance to go out there during one of our broadcasts and, and be with that group. Uh, what, what was your greatest coaching moment as from a coach to a player in your relationship with Juddy that you remember? Uh, and it'll go back to kind of the relationships, not necessarily on the court where you remember the games, right? The wins, the losses, uh, not many know this, but I knew Jed before BYU. I had developed a relationship with him because he coached and recruited my brother to play under Rick Majerus and him at the U. So my older brother, Brad played for Majerus and for Judkins. So our family knew Judd when he got the job and came to BYU. And I knew at that point I wanted to go play for him. So it started well beyond uh, BYU. But when I came to BYU, he was very good about recognizing, hey, you're coming off an injury. You're transferring in from Boise State. But you are a part of this program. We want you a part of this program. We see a future with you and you being a big part of what we want to do to be successful. Um, so Judd did a really good job, I think, with every player. It didn't matter if you were a player that didn't get a lot of minutes or if you were a starter, just making you feel important. And I think that goes back to who he is. You know, you have this legacy of wins and losses that we talk a lot about and he'll be remembered for. But as players, we're going to remember more of the culture he created as a family. We all feel like family. We all feel like this is a home for us. And it doesn't matter if we played one year here, if we played three years here, if we transferred in or came in as a freshman. He created a culture of just a loving family. And he was kind of the head of that family. And I think as a player, you can go to him at any time. He wanted you successful on the court as well as off the court. How has he evolved as a coach from when you got him in like year, what, two, uh, when you started playing and you were in year one to year 21 as a, as a, now you watch him as a broadcaster. Well, he's, he's lost some hair. That's for sure. And he'll be the first <laughs> to tell you that, that the stress has caused maybe a little bit more baldness than he would have liked, but, um, I think he softened for sure. I think he came in from the men's side of things and coaching the women was very different. Yeah, you have to be a little bit more emotionally in tune with some of those girls. You can't get in their face. You can't yell at them sometimes. You really had to figure out a balance of being connected to them on the court, off the court. You know, they got stuff going on in their lives that might be affecting them emotionally on the court. And so he did a very good job of that. I feel like he adapted quickly from the men's game to the women's game to come in, form relationships, and be invested in those girls. And it, and it went as far as, you know, like right now, I, I know I've been connected to him as a broadcaster, but every time I see him, it's not all basketball. It's not the game plan. It's talking about my kids. It's talking about my husband or my family or how I'm doing, how my parents are doing, how's my parents' health then it just shows you the level of investment he had. One thing that this is not is a coach leaving because he doesn't have any good players and the program's flatlined and he's getting out. He's got a tremendous roster that's returning next year, including Shaley Gonzalez and Lauren Gustin. So who should the new coach be? What kind of person should they go find to continue the winning with the roster that's returning? 
it's a unique job, right, at, at BYU and for the level that, you know, the coach has to come in and a standard to live by and, and all of that. So obviously they're going to open it up nationally. They'll open it up, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, of people putting in their resume, coaches that really want this job. This is a great institution. This is a great conference, the WCC, one more year, and then we're going into the Big 12, so a great opportunity. But I also think you got some in-house ones, and we're already seeing Lee Kamard's name thrown around. Ray Stewart's a great coach. Melanie Pearson Day. You've got some great ones in-house. And I think at the top of that list that you're hearing a lot right now is Lee Kamard, who played at BYU. Judkins brought him over after Dave Rose left. And and I think Lee proved himself back in November when Judkins was out with COVID and Lee had to step up and kind of take over and, and run the team, picked up a couple big wins that week in November. But I think there's a lot of great candidates. I think there's some former players that can even be considered and and so it, that question will remain, I think, for the media and for us. We're going to evaluate that and go, who's the next fit guy? But ultimately, I think, you know, Tom Homel will do a great job and Brian Santiago and the administration to find the right fit for this program. Thoughts on Dan Nielsen at UVU? I think Dan's a great guy. And, and you know, Dan left to go take on that UVU job, which will help him. I think it's a stepping stone that adds to his resume to now if he wants to come back. Um, and so Dan would be fully qualified, I think, to come in and, and take the job and do a fantastic job. He's done a great job over at UVU just down the street, but well-respected with the girls, well-respected in the community. He's proven himself, aside from being under the wings of Jeff Jetkins, I feel like, and that's what he needed to do. He needed to leave for a little bit to be able to have an opportunity to come back. So I think he would be one that would be high on the list as well. It'll be interesting uh, because the the team is – as we mentioned a moment ago, this, this is going to be a good team. Probably pick to win the league again next year with Shaley Gonzalez. What's this like for the players as they sit around? We know recruits are coming in still, but the players sit around and wonder who the next head coach is going to be. I think the initial was probably a little bit like my reaction, just bittersweet, knowing that uh, it was probably time. Judd's going out on top, so you're happy for him. But at the same time, these players are, are a little bit, uncertain of the future what happens now what happens in a couple months are we going to have a coach sooner rather than later and kind of run the same system is it going to be someone completely different that's a little bit up in the air and so some uncertainty for sure with these players I think it's also maybe a little refreshing to be able to go okay well somebody new you know coming in maybe that brings a little bit of energy to some of these players in the program but it's hard when you have such an established figure in your life like Jeff Judkins that knew you so well, knew your tendencies, you were, you were comfortable with him, right? So it's going to force these players to be a little bit more uncomfortable. Now, if they bring someone in-house, then it's an easier transition. But also, someone like Dan Nielsen, as you mentioned, Jerem, I don't think that would be such a huge transition because he was taught under Judkins. He runs the same system on defense and offense. So coming in, there's not going to be a ton of change-up for these players if it's a coach like Dan Nielsen that gets the job or Lee Kamart. I'll be surprised if it's not Dan or Lee, but you did mention there's some former players. Uh, who's who's in the mix, uh, former players? Because certainly, uh, you know, a woman as the head coach would be a great move as well, potentially. Yeah, the one player that comes to, ni- to mind for me, uh, she's up at Lone Peak right now, and I played with her, is Nancy Warner. Uh, Nancy was a great player for Judge. She played at Bountiful High School. And she's been in the likes of Springville High School where she's won state championships. She just won a state championship with the Lone Peak girls program this last year. Um, I know that she's a player that Judkins has been after a little bit in terms of 
when he was in transition for assistance, he'd call her and try to get her, you know, maybe on board. And it just wasn't good timing for her. And, and right now with Nancy, I don't know the situation and if it's something she'd want to commit to or if she's even in the talks right now looking at it. But she's the one player that comes to mind. She's been very successful at the high school level. A great mind for the game. She was a great player here. She grew up with a coach in her dad, Gary Selyus, who coached a long time at, at Bountiful High School. So that's the one player I, I'm thinking of that, in my mind, would be a good fit as well. Yeah, All right. she's crushed it. Yeah. And that's Zach Selyus' sister, for those who – older sister, yep, who played at BYU. Hey, it's the weekend down there. Go over to Mandalay Bay. Get out there in the wave pool. Have a great Friday afternoon. The wave pool's legit. Yeah. Yeah. We have a good lazy river right where I'm at. The kids are enjoying that. It's nice weather. It's good to be in Vegas. Fantastic. Thanks for being with us. Kristen Kozlowski, our basketball analyst. A lot of change coming. Great point on Nancy Warner. I had forgotten because she has won a bunch of state titles, one of the best coaches in Utah high school girls basketball. She's a top candidate as well. So We shall see. So Dan Nielsen, Lee Kamard, Nancy Warner, those are three great candidates right there. So wh- whoever it's going to be, it's going to be a good coach. They're all good coach. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Who's the most important assistant coach on campus? With Chris Burgess going to Utah, we're thinking, oh. Well, right now, it's probably Trent Pratt because he's taking (laughs) over as the interim head coach after Mike Littlewood had a surprising resignation. So does Trent Pratt actually count as an assistant coach anymore now that he is the interim head coach? I don't know how that all works, but I'd probably go with Trent Pratt. Yeah, he's really important. To me, there's one clear answer here. I don't mean to offend any of the other assistant coaches. I love all of them. Okay. It's Aaron Roderick. The program changed in 2019 when he was made primary play caller midway through the season to the point where BYU is 26-4 and when he is the primary play caller in those games. That's insane, right? Pretty good. It's Aaron Roderick. A-Rod, the OG. Before so Alex Rodriguez, there was Aaron yes. Roderick. BYU is so lucky to have him, and that Utah never actually gave him a legit shot to to be like a peacock and fly. Okay, as yeah. the other guys talked about. See, A Rod, A Rod's the one that comes to mind for sure. But man, Trent Pratt, he's he's got a lot on his plate now, leading BYU baseball. Well, and it makes you nervous if you're one of those assistant coaches where the head coach goes out of like, is this Trent Pratt's debut to be sure. the head coach, or are the assistants out after this year if they find another guy? It's a nervous time for them. Yeah. Big Game Boomer, or as he's now called, BGB. The rapper? Has Rob Morris, the freight train, at number 59 on the greatest college football linebackers list. So does that make Rob Morris, because there are no other BYU linebackers listed here, the greatest BYU linebacker ever? I felt this way before this list. I didn't need BGB to tell me. Rob Morris is uh, the only guy who's been an All-American, a first-rounder, and a Butkus MLA finalist in BYU history. So he, he's, to me, he's the best linebacker. And there have been a lot of great linebackers. And this is not taking into account, well, what have they done in the NFL? This is no, so, just BYU time. It's not Kirk Gavez, not Fred Warner. Like Fred Warner Kyle was the greatest BYU NFL linebacker ever. Yes. Because he was all pro. Yes. That's amazing. But Rob Morris, as you pointed out, was an All-American and a first-round draft pick. <laughs> it's the freight train, Rob Morris. How many other guys had a whistle? It's true. 
who had a whistle made at them because they were so awesome. Nobody had the freight train. I didn't see Marv Allen or Bob Davis with the freight train whistle. That's a cool nickname, right? The freight train. Yeah. Also, who got? Who else has a penalty in the snow for doing a snow angel? <laughs> like Rob Morris after a pick six. And that, that was the that, moment he became the greatest linebacker in BYU football a history. That ended PAT streak, by the way, because <laughs> it got pushed back in the snow. We need, we need to have this conversation later in the summer because of the summer. Right later. Let's do it tomorrow. The greatest linebacker ever in BYU history. Don't wait. Just do it. Will Alex Barcelo increase his postseason uh, or his college post college stock in Portsmouth? Well, because he's playing for that specific car dealership in the Portsmouth Invitational. I can't even remember the name. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's he's going to increase his stock. No, in all seriousness, more exposure, you you increase your stock, but is it for the European leagues or the NBA draft or all of the above? Either way, Alex is going to be more seen and have more exposure because of this. Yeah, I, I love Alex. I don't see him as a trap pick. I see him as a summer league opportunity, perhaps G League European guy, and that he's going to be super successful. Kevin Pangos, he can have the same career. NBA scouts will be impressed by how well he shoots the ball. So yeah, he's going and to his improve leadership, his stock. And his IQ and his great teammates. Get, yes, absolutely. Let's stay with basketball. Zach Selyus has scored 20 plus points in 12 straight games playing in the country of Georgia. Double-double in 11 of those. So Zach Selyus, is he the best BYU basketball alumnus playing overseas right now? Who's playing better than he is? I don't think anyone is. Like, Charles Abuel, Brandon Davies. Is Jake a, Toulson? Brandon, Brandon Davies is a better player than Zach, but, like, playing? I think it's – no, it's, Zach's probably doing it in Georgia. Jimmer's not overseas right now. Georgia – Jimmer's in his church gym doing TikTok videos right now, so he doesn't qualify. He's Zach, crushing it. Zach Selyus? Man, it's it's obviously not as hard of a league as Matt Harms sure. and Jake Toulson and Elijah Bryan are playing in. Yeah, yeah. But in Deutschland. Who's, who's averaging a double-double right now scoring 20 plus and 12 straight? 2020s from Zach Selyus is Zach, amazing. Zach can have that title right now. Yeah. What do you expect from BYU Baseball today? And it's for, uh, their first game after Mike Littlewood's resignation. Uh, an inspired effort. I, I expect extra focus. I expect them to come out locked and loaded. Typically, this happens. Teams get like really focused, hyper focused, and they play well. What's going to happen in game four and five when the natural of just like, hey, hunkering down is gone? Yeah. yeah so I'm more worried about what happens in games four, five, and six, and I am in games one, two, and three. I think BYU wins 33 28, like it did at Nebraska in 2015. How about they just win that'd by a, five? That'd be a really high BYU, scoring. BYU game. wins by five. I like that. Five runs? Yes. Okay. We'll take it. Tom Brady sent the following tweet earlier to one Elon Musk who made a $43 billion bid to buy Twitter. Tom said, if you buy Twitter, can you delete the combine photo? <laughs> Here's the combine photo. I said it was from Honey Badger. No, it's just a fan at Honey Badger 22. Um, okay. That said, epic. <laughs> this is the most risque photo we've ever shown on Viewer Sports. Games, by the way. Tom Brady. I, th- I think Ben Bag- Bagley is getting called into the principal's office here after this one. Hey, I want you to know I ran a faster 40 than Tom Brady did. When he was at his peak physical condition coming out of college, I did That's so in my the mid- only thing I did so in my mid thirties. In my mid thirties, I ran a faster forty than Tom Brady did at twenty one. I'm happy how proud you are of this I, fact. It's something to be proud of. It is. If you could be ask Elon Musk to delete one thing, like Tom Brady, you know Tom Brady wants that photo gun. Delete one thing uh, from Twitter. From Twitter, what would it be? I have nothing that I need deleted because I'm proud of my shaved head pics from 2015. I'm okay. Good. I'm good with that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe about- that just at at uh, Utah Utes. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> just take it off. Listen, how about how about the ta- the take that Bo Hodge is going to be the greatest running back? That was a bad one. <laughs> okay. that, was, that was a and bad one. And how about the fact that I argued that North Carolina didn't deserve to be in the NCAA tournament? 
whatever. You, listen, you got to shoot. You got You can't be afraid to miss. No. And, yeah. You know, in your defense, a lot of the coaches were high on Bo. And in my defense, all of the analysts were saying North Carolina's resume is terrible. But then they beat Duke and all that yeah, went away. Yeah. They, things change, they, right? Things, you learn new things. Jerem said evolve. change. That's the Twitter handle. At Jerem said change. <laughs> Steve Preston, whoever that is. What's up, Steve? Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Rachel Parkinson hyphen Hansen of the now 22-time national champion BYU Cougarettes. She is live in Studio B. And again, these championships are at the highest division of collegiate dance. Not all dance competitions are created equally. Congratulations on being the best of the best again. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, it's an honor being the 21st and 22nd title that okay. the Cougarettes has won. Be honest. Do you guys get tired of being the best all the time? Oh, it's Is exhausting. it just, ho-hum, here we go again? <laughs> it's not. It's, it's really honestly humbling when we go to a competition like that and eyes kind of turn when they, when they see the Cougarettes here on our backs, right? Yeah. They kind of perk up when they hear, BYU Cougarettes is up next. It's extremely humbling. Of course, it's exciting and it's an honor, but it's, it's humbling that we kind of have the reach that we do. We're watching some of the highlights from your routines on the BYU TV side. At some point, can we integrate Cosmo into one of your championship routines? That would routines? be exciting, wouldn't it? He would be right front and center. <laughs> oh, yeah, he would kill it. Okay, here's – I'm going to get flack for asking this question, especially from our <laughs> producer, Ben. How close to reality is the movie Bring It On? <laughs> not that close. I mean, I would say the the intensity of our practices and the whole competition okay. that's that's pretty up there, but Any spirit fingers? Of course, always spirit fingers. Okay, always 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 spirit, always spirit fingers, fingers, always. Yes. Fingers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of the greatest performances in the history of film, that guy. Okay, uh Rachel at this point, can we just call BYU a dance school? Is BYU a dance school? Absolutely. With the legacy, I think that Cougarettes has created over the past however many years, I would for sure call BYU a dance school. Take us through, because obviously we, we focus a lot on football and basketball, and we know what it takes to train for that. Give everybody an idea of just how much training and practice you guys go through to be as good as you are. Of course. I would say every single girl on our team has probably been training to be a Cougarette since they were three years old, just like I have, right? We train our whole lives. A big part of Cougarettes is actually just getting into BYU first. Um, We have to be admitted to the school before we can even try out for the team. So, of course, the dance training is one aspect of it, but getting good grades, getting a good ACT score, all of that kind of plays into it as well. And it's just... It's a grind, right? Once you made the team, it doesn't stop there. We have to audition every single year to, to become a member again. And... We have practice six days a week. Just it's a total grind, and we um, we feel the unity and kind of the hard work as we go to practice every single day together. It's a it's a total team effort. Okay, so this is why Zach Wilson was copying Rachel's homework in high school because <laughs> oh, she's super smart. That's my claim to fame. Yeah, yeah. You guys were what chemistry partners? Chemistry partners. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Zach, you're welcome for that really good grade in chemistry in high school at Corner you're Canyon. You're <laughs> All right, Rachel Hansen is with us on BYU Sports Nation. It's constantly this battle of how to go bigger and more bombastic, you know, from year to year. Yep, yep. So 
When does preparation for that begin, when you begin the run to another national championship? Like, how st- how soon does that choreography and, like, these next-level moves, when does right, that start? Right, right. I would say right after auditions. We hold auditions about two weeks after nationals every year, and then we start training. It's not a whole summer-long thing, but it starts probably halfway through the summer, and we start working on turns. We start coming up with these new tricks, right, reinventing the wheel to stay competitive. Sure. And then our choreographers come in in the fall around October and set the pieces on us. And then from then, it's just moving pieces around to make it all work and hopefully bringing home those titles. What was new? What was new and different about the jazz and hip-hop routines this year? I would say we've just never done anything quite like either of them. For jazz, we usually take a more lyrical route. And this year was more contemporary in jazz. And we had a different choreographer, which we loved. And it was just very different. I heard from a lot of people at our send-off that our dancers were risky in the fact that we've never, like, done anything like them before, okay. which is a little scary, but it was comforting to know that, like, we're taking a risk and we're, we're going to see what works. Uh, not to be confused with risque. Yes, not that. <laughs> absolutely not. Not here at BYU. <laughs> well, and, and you said you kind of feel like you, you can't just stay the same. You've absolutely got to not. up your game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when it comes to choreography, how do you guys come up with new routines and things like that? What, what's that process like? Of course. So it's, it's a matter of picking the right choreographer, right? We have Shandon Perez, who, who does our hip-hop choreographer. She's a beast, and she's amazing and actually does some of our timeouts for basketball games and football games. And this year we um, we had a new jazz choreographer, which we just loved and enjoyed. But it also takes a lot of work on the parts of the coaches and the captains, right? They're always tweaking little things, making little adjustments here and there. Um, like I said, reinventing the wheel with tricks, coming up with different yeah. things. It's it's a constant work in progress. We never We never feel like we settle. Do you have a favorite dance move? If so, mm. what is it? This year, I would probably say the carryal. It's it's an aerial twist landing on our feet, which we did in our jazz routine. Whoa. It's it's difficult, but our whole team ended up getting it, and we put it in our jazz routine. I think that definitely played to our success. The carryal. The carryal. Yes. Jason, you should never try a carryal. <laughs> oh, ever. Look, I. Well, we can teach you some lessons. Uh, <laughs> I I really don't think that I would be able to. I don't even me and dancing. It just it just doesn't it doesn't work. Look, and I want to go back to something that you said. Look, when you win this many championships in a row, you're talking about different groups over the years. And I know that you guys take a lot of pride in being the next group that continues this. How much I don't even want to say pressure, but how much pride do you guys take in continuing the legacy that has been set? An immense amount. I mean, just continuing the legacy, like you said, it's. It is pressure, right? But it's good pressure. We we try to thrive in the pressure, not be weighed down by it. But it's it's a lot of pressure coming from the viral videos with Cosmo, of course, and then all these national champions and now world championships, right? The gold medals that we've won. It's a lot of pressure, but we we try to thrive in that pressure rather than letting us fear away from it. And you've won five just yes, in your right? tenure. Yes, I have. <laughs> you've won five. I have. So I'm take that blessed. pressure. <laughs> Good right. grief. Rachel Parkinson Hansen is on BYU Sports <laughs> Nation. What are the crowds like in Daytona, and how do they impact your nerves? Crazy. I mean, we usually compete in the um, second half of the finals competition. Finals are based on how well you place in prelims. Mm-hmm. And luckily for us, we were we were ranked first going into finals for both of our routines, so we compete last in finals. And so that means the the crowd is crazy at that point. Everyone's there for awards. They've watched all the teams, right? They're there. And the crowd's not just right in front of you. They're on the sides of you. They're behind stage. Our whole fan base of parents and friends and family and administration's right there in front yelling our names. It is unbelievable. But so, so lovely to have that, like, crowd and support yeah. cheering us on. I think that definitely hypes us up when we're on stage. So what's next? 
what's next is auditions is coming up in a few weeks and then they'll start training for for summer camp and sports camp and another year what's the next step for this program to become even more dominant and what else can you do what else can you do that's kind of the question right people kept asking us or i guess asking our coaches in secret what's byu's secret sauce what's byu's secret sauce like give it give us some of that right and i to me it's honestly just pushing ourselves beyond what we think we can do like we did this year with the carryall with these other tricks that we yeah. kind of have never done before it's just kind of reinventing that wheel as scary as that is it's exciting should have just handed him a bottle of fry sauce and said this is it <laughs> this is from this is what real this stuff. is what it's all about <laughs> right i know you get to keep the trophies for a day or so I, yeah, like the I stanley know, cup where right? they each get a day with it <laughs> we, we i think we just keep them in our uh, coach's okay. closet up there and okay let, Tom Homo actually had some good points. We had a banquet at the end of our our season or our nationals, and he said trophies collect dust. They'll they'll end up in the closet, right? Trophies collect dust. The rings you'll wear every once in a while, but it's like the relationships and the the memories that you make yeah. will last, yeah. right? Love it. Does the lid come Words off? Like, can you pour Lucky Charms in it that? It does. Need it? We actually, when we were traveling, we had to take that big gold part off to be able to fit it in the overhead bin on the plane. Jason, so. Honey Nut Cherries, Lucky Charms. Oh, in, in the trophy. Crunch oh, berries. Yeah. Can we do crunch <laughs> berries? Done. Okay, we're going to have you sign our flag before you go. We'll have you do that Lovely. during the break. Great to have you. Congratulations you again so on a remarkable run. Thank you. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. BYU football tweeted out pictures of the gear the coaches are wearing as they hit the recruiting trail. Uh, which piece of this recruiting swag would you like to have? Mars Blackman said it best. Gotta be the shoes! I love those shoes, man. The royal and black. Ah! Oh, amazing. That's good luck. Why would you not come and play for those coaches when they show them that stuff? Yeah, Nothing seriously. else. It's like, hey, you guys look great. Seriously. Will Paisley Harding make the Seattle Storms roster? I hope so. She's number six in scoring all-time at BYU, number three in career three-pointers, number 12 in assists, one of the greatest all-around players in the history of the program. Uh, should that be good enough to make the WNBA? I think it should. Hopefully. I hope. They've got 19 players listed. She's one of them, by the way. Um, typically in a season, WNBA carries 11. So it depends how many rookies they want to keep and how many guards. There's seven rookies on the roster. So certainly it's going to be a challenge, but uh, hopefully she makes it. That'd be great. BYU hasn't had a player in the WNBA in a minute. For men's volleyball, is tonight more about upsetting the number one UCLA or being competitive as this young team in a rebuild? The point is to try and get hot next week and win the tourney and go to the NCAA tournament and shock the world. Uh, the eight seed UCLA in 06 did it. The seven seed UC Santa Barbara did it in 2011. Like, it's been done before. Granted, BYU starting a true freshman setter in his second game ever, first home game tonight, Noah Hain. I think go and compete, see if you can't shock UCLA. They did lose to Stanford, who's kind of similar to BYU recently. BYU took Stanford to the limit. Right? UCLA had 28 services. If UCLA serves it out of bounds, BYU's got a shot. Okay. Trevor Nail posted a video from a Papa shot at Nickel Cade, where he can be found every Tuesday night. No, just kidding. Was he over under 36% like he was this season in the video? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just hope he knocks down threes next year. Uh, he has had moments in games where he's lights out. He needs more of those moments. Yeah. If that little game helps him, so be it. Although the uh, arc is always limited in those. Yeah. <laughs> the, you, honestly, I, I love going with my kids to those. 
that your forearm gets worked so hard in the pop yeah, shot. It's like all about crazy. How many yeah. shots can you get off? Will Jeff Judkins take the signed frame photo of you and Spencer or leave it in the office for the next head coach? Take a look at this. We got some for your dad. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I will sit it right here. Why don't you hang it right here? Yeah, yeah you can put it right, 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 by, right over here. Right Shaq by Shaq would be yeah. awesome. Boom. I might do that. We, I'll put it on my desk yeah. and start. How's yeah. that? I love that you guys you walk around and take out pictures yeah. of yourself. You must be real close. I got my wife right there. <laughs> right here. Right there. You can see. From 2017. I think that's the only time we've done that. Maybe one other time. Look at that. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Is he going to take it home? I have no idea. I you know what? If he throws it in the trash, I just don't want to know. It's like when I handed out a Book of Mormon on my mission. I just don't want to see. I'd prefer you he's read it. taking that thing. Pray off. about it. but uh, yeah. He might put it out in the barn with the horses where he can see it, but he's taking that They'll thing. They'll trample all over. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.